Beloved Church of God, beginning our divine service, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so, allow your inheritance in the name of covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all of the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to find your holy countenance. Present this service into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. The book of Paul to Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Before we move forward and continue to immerse ourselves into the revelations of God, I would like to remind us of our goal. Here, sitting here, it came to me that morning star that had shone in the heaven of our heart many years ago. All of a sudden, this goal, this strive had arrived deep in my heart many years ago. And myself and all of us moved forward in this direction. And we are going in this path in this direction. And we have a certain path that we are following. And this path was illuminated bright, brightly when we heard the words of God's anointed apostle, prophetic words, about how God in our generation is going to conduct this miracle. You know, I reminded, and I want to be reminded of different places of Scripture. It's written that people looked at the reward in their faith. This is written about in Moses. By faith, he had left Egypt and had preferred to rather suffer with the people of God, to share a portion with the people of God instead of having satisfaction in their lusts. And he did this according to Revelation. 
было вот чисто случайно, вот так получилось, он там начал защищать, как-то убил египтянина. Это было его позиция. This was the position of his faith that he strived for. And says that he was immovable. He was firm. He looked upon his reward. We are called to look upon the reward. And it is great sweetness understanding that Abraham had left the place of his dwelling. He walked through the earth. He sought for something. For some time, he could not realize what he was or where he was, but he sought for the city. Scripture says that he sought for the city, but the city was not yet there on earth. And then he found it in his spirit, and he rejoiced in the day of the Lord. He saw the day of the church. Saints had left a lot in order to be a part of the people of God. And it's good that we left our works, our cares, our deeds, our hobbies, anything that used to entice us. We set this aside and we left it in order to look at this beauty and we are found on the path. This had come to memory about the fact that we are on the path and being on the path is being found in the Word of God. And this word that the Lord has given us through our pastor, through his messenger, is taken from Revelation that is written in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. And this is what it sounds like. That you may set aside concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and be clothed in the new man in righteousness and holiness of truth. Three verbs. To set aside, to renew, and to clothe. We are pointing out uh, how to be clothed into the new man. But always, Pastor reminds us, before we are renewed in the spirit of our mind, we cannot be clothed into our new man. Having viewed the clothing of ourselves into the new man, we saw this process in seven components, each of which finds its definition and its exp expression in Scripture. A person, it is a person clothed in linens, clean and bright, clothed in garments of salvation, crowned with the crown of a bridegroom, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, clothed in linen clean and bright, and seventh, having accepted the representative power of Yahweh of hosts. The dignity of the new man expressed in the garments of a bridegroom is the dignity of a king, dignity of a prophet, and third, the dignity of a priest. For God to be able to clothe a person in the garments of righteousness, he must fulfill the conditions of discipleship that are expressed in active humility. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The ability to know the mind of the Lord in order to judge his intentions and to be clothed into a new man in a subject of garments of righteousness is containing the ability to know the ways of the Lord and to cooperate with 
in the cooperation of His mercy with His truth. Truth in the heart of a person, God's truth and the mercy that penetrates from heaven. Psalms 85, 11-14 Mercy and truth have met together, righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before Him, and shall make His footsteps our pathway. It is these two dignities in the subject of divine mercy and truth that yield the paths of the Lord that are the foundational disciplines and standards according to which is called to flow relations or the communication of God's chosen remnant with God and God with His chosen remnant. Hosea chapter 14 verses 6 through 10 I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are for the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. So this is the path that is called the ways of the Lord. According to these words, it follows that the ways of the Lord demonstrated in the cooperation of His mercy and truth is the path of justice on which God fulfills His judgment and demonstrates His retribution. So having been found on these paths of God, we learn certain disciplines, certain science. And it's very important, having been found on these paths, to fulfill or to practice the judgment of God, the justice of God. The righteous are given rights and powers to walk along these paths in order to fulfill the justice of the Lord. The ways of the Lord demonstrated in the cooperation of mercy and truth are the paths of justice upon which God fulfills His judgments and demonstrates His retribution, because of which the righteous are given the right and the power to walk along these paths in order to fulfill the justice of the Lord, whereas the lawless, they fall on these paths, given that they stumble on the disciplines of curse and blessing, which yield the justice of the Lord on the paths of His mercy and truth. As you remember, that servant that says, I knew or I know that you are an evil person, very strict and severe. That's why you did not know the paths of the Lord. But instead you took this deposit of silver and did not place it into into circulation. We are called to place this silver into circulation and in this manner, having been found on the paths of the Lord, to learn. To circulate means is the process of discipleship. Having placed the silver of our salvation to circulation, we begin to learn this is a certain investment that we make, and we wait for the fruit of this investment, and this expands the kingdom of heaven, or cultivates it inside of him. On these paths of the Lord, we acknowledge the justice of the Lord. Psalms 95, verses 10 through 11. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, It is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So they were his people, they were called his people, and they walked 
under his direction, under his guide, but for some reason they did not know God, they did not acknowledge, nor did they listen to him. They walked with the people of God, however, they did not listen to the specific word of the messenger sent by God. And therefore the Lord says, I have I swore my wrath, and they shall not enter my rest. So the person who does not place the silver of his salvation to circulation, who does not acknowledge the Lord on his paths, who does not use or enact or enable these processes of sowing and harvest in order to know the ways of the Lord, and if he hides, or if he hides this deposit of, of salvation, having uh, hidden it he calls or he causes the anger of God and the Lord has promised in his anger that these people will not enter into the rest of God the image of the cooperation a mercy that comes from heaven to truth that has come from the ground is an image of the cooperation of the faith of God and the dissolving of the faith of God in the heart of a person expressed in the obedience to the faith of God and the question is why did the servant not allow this deposit that God gave him, his this talent, why did he not place it into circulation? Because he does not want to be obedient. This was his decision. This was not due to his lack of knowledge, but this was his specific decision. Because he had a stiff heart. And he did not want to cooperate his faith with the faith of God. Having been clothed into the image of the new man in the garments of righteousness, we, through the, through the proclamation of the faith of our hearts, are clothed in the righteousness of faith of our hearts. Defining what are the ways of the Lord for us, for us that are yielded by the cooperation of His mercy with His truth, we, according to the book of Job, chapter 29, verse 9, this is the ability giving God the right to protect us. It's the ability to walk in His light among darkness. It's the right to have communication with the Almighty. Fourth, it is the blessing in the children that surround us. Fifth, it is walking along the paths that are spilled by water. And seventh, it is the right for the authority over our nation and the dignity of our calling. We have noted that the presence of the mercy of, the, of God over our tents is the image of our correct relationship toward the de delegated authority of God, which is evidence of the fact that in our life and over our life is the veil of the mercy of God. Under the condition that we accept this authority and we demonstrate obedience to it in the boundaries of Scripture, the sons of obedience to the faith of God are vessels of mercy upon which dwells the mercy of the Lord. And therefore, the meaning that is contained in the word mercy is defined by Scripture as the relationship of God towards the vessels of mercy. When studying the purpose of the cooperation of the mercy of the Lord with truth, we arrive to the conclusion that the cooperation of the mercy of the Lord with truth is called to participate in the definition, the regulation of the norms of correct relations that are called to be built. So we talked about how this is building ourselves into a spiritual dwelling. Somehow a person builds these relations, having been found in the church of God. This is first before God and man, second between man and God, furthermore between man and man, and fourth between man and the whole earth. We are called to build these relations 
in this divine character according to the divine parameters. Speaking about the price or the conditions that are necessary to fulfill in order for the mercy of God to dwell over our tents, we looked at seven components. First, for the mercy of God to dwell over our tent, it is necessary to not make any idols or carved images for ourselves and not serve them. Any carved, no carved images. No idolatry. Second, for the mercy of God to dwell over our tent, it is necessary to not touch that what is accursed. Third, for the mercy of God to dwell over our tent, this is the condition that we must fulfill. It is necessary to make a decision and to make for ourselves a goal that upon any circumstance we will turn to the Lord and not to the power of our own intellect. Fourth, for the mercy of God to dwell over our tent, it is necessary to, like God, be merciful to the vessels of mercy so that we can be found under the protection of God. On the second side, we must demonstrate anger toward the vessels of wrath. Fifth, for the mercy of God to dwell over our tents, it is necessary to not boast of the flesh, but to boast of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, that which Moses had done. He had considered the reproach of Christ as, as, a, as a gain. He considered it a greater rich than any of the treasures of Egypt. And this is one of the points. It's necessary to not boast of the flesh, but to boast of the cross of the Lord Jesus as riches. Six, in order for the mercy of God to dwell over our tent, it is necessary to sow in ourselves righteousness So us going to service and continually, uh, the place of scripture reminds us that when you go into the house of the Lord, or when you go to listen to the word of God, to the words of God, knowing that this will be from the Lord, prepare your heart to hearing the word of God and not to the sacrifice of fools, but listening to the word of God. The sacrifice, although, is present there. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness on you. And seventh, for the mercy of God to dwell over our tent, it is necessary to serve with all that we have and to fulfill the desire of those people whom God has established to tend to His church. According to what results should we judge that we truly cooperate with the mercy of God and not, not a forgery? The first result, that the mercy of God is over our tent. We will quickly remember three results that we have already talked about, and today we are going to read and uncover the fourth one. The fourth result, that the mercy of the Lord dwells over us. I will repeat the first three, though. The first result will be expressed in the fact that we will find life, righteousness, and glory. He who follows righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and glory. Proverbs 21, 21. The second result of the fact that mercy of God and the dignity of the garments of righteousness is found over our tent. Again, we talked about our tent. Our tent is our body, our essence. And, and, and then secondly, those spheres of our life for which we carry responsibility before God. 
The second result will be that we will be a green olive tree in the house of the Lord, meaning we are going to be fruitful. In us will be a life. In us will be a lamp. We are going to be partakers of God's word. We are going to feed from these. There's. It's not that a person just came, most importantly, for him to feed himself, and um, he quickly needs to run somewhere. Sometimes he needs to hurry. Sometimes he might stop and share. There must be a metabolism going on. Somehow we must exchange with those blessings, share in that joy, that presence of God that goodness that we endure in our lives and to share it with saints. And the third result of the fact that the mercy of God and the dignity of the garments of righteousness is found over our tent is the ability to live the life of God and to be comforted by the law of God. Psalms 119.77 Let your tender mercies come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. We talked about how Upon any circumstances, this is expressed as a comfort. Uh, coming in the car to church, I begin to receive, um, I begin to feel great comfort in having sit here. This continued to grow. Well, this is great. This is the house of God, the saints, the people of God, the atmosphere of God's people that carry the goodness of God the kindness of God, the desire toward the Word that illuminate the image of God, and it is pleasant and pleasing to be found among the children of God in this atmosphere of the presence of God. This is wonderful, and it comforts us, and when we hear this Word, we are comforted, and we remember that we have a goal. God has ignited this goal for us. We have left our cares. We have left our works, some kind of hobbies. We have rejected our nation, the house of our Father. We have forgotten. We have forgotten our fleshly goals and desires, and we have strived toward this goal. And of course, we come here and we are joyful. But when there are certain difficulties in life, do we have the ability to be comforted by the law of God? Of course. If, of course, we have this ability to be comforted by the law of God among any circumstances in life, and this is the result that the mercy of God covers us, and it is found over our tent. Today will be the fourth sign that we are studying. The fourth sign that the mercy of God is found over our tent will be expressed in the fact that when we are going to be afflicted by the fulfillment of our calling, we will be given help from God. Numbers 11, 11, Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant, and why have I not found favor in your sight, that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? So what, in our essence, should we view as, um, as a burden on us? A burden is, due to certain circumstances, 
they had changed the state of the nation of the people which Moses had brought out of Egypt. In the beginning, they said, whatever you tell us to do, we will go. Whatever you tell us, we will go. Everyone was ignited with the desire to get out of Egypt. There was a certain obedience to every word that Moses was saying. However, as time went on, when they went out of Egyptian slavery, they sang and they rejoiced regarding their deliverance, and they were astonished of the great wonders that they saw, that the Lord gave in their heart a morning star, that the Lord gave them this faith that they are going to be raptured. Wonderful. What is necessary for this? It's necessary to leave this and that. You're ready to leave it all. Go into the land of Canaan. Everything that ties me to Egypt, to the soul, I am ready to pay a price. Everything has become Perhaps I, before I lived in Egypt and I it was I was well off. However, I was not very well because it began to groan and moan. And a person living in Egypt in his carnal nature, a true child of God, it begins to search when there is no word of God, when there is only this carnal nature surrounding him. He moans and groans within himself and he searches. He searches for the word of the Lord, and when he can't find it, he groans within himself. But then the Lord sent his revelation. He sent Moses to the people. And at this level, the burden that Moses had carried, it was not unbearable. But when the food of the people of Egypt had ended, or the people of Israel had ended, um, God wanted to teach them to feed in a different way or to eat in a different way. Then the state of the people, uh, it changed. They began to grow weary and they began to cry and moan and groan. And the state of the people crying at their tents and wanting food that they ate in Egypt, Moses had looked at this as his burden and how he uh, portrays it to God. He says, I alone cannot carry this people because they are too heavy for me. When you do this to me, then it's it'll best for me to die if I have found mercy in your eyes so that I do not see my burdens or my calamity. A question arises. This is how Moses had turned to God. question arises. What should we view in our heart? Again, we are now looking at the from the story of the people of Israel. We are now looking at our own essence because as we have noticed, the Lord or His main his main direction is there in the heart of a person, in his insides and in his body. What occurs inside of him? And we are going to study there in our heart. What should we view in our heart as a nation? That is our burden, which we, who we carried out of Egypt and for whom we carry responsibility before God. Now we're in the role of Moses, figuratively. The image of these of these people is our saved soul with her feelings, desires, habits. There is a lot that is contained in our soul. Because our soul receives salvation thanks to the new man that has come from into our essence from the death and resurrection of Christ. This innermost man born from the power of the resurrection of Christ is Moses. So, our new man is Moses. He symbolizes our new man. The name Moses means taken from the waters of death or in, in which is given to him every heaven or every power under heaven and earth as well as authority over, over death. We are given this authority, but we don't know how to use it. Why? Because we have not yet grown. 
Moses, there was a certain path for him as well. God had also grown him, and along with the people, he brought them into the land of Canaan. In the birth of Moses is presented an image of the birth in a person of a new life of the seed of the word of truth as well as the process of cultivation in his life. So it is born and then it begins to reign, it begins to come to power, to age, to maturity. Just as every birth occurs the birth of every person occurs from the seed of the word of truth. We should pay our attention to one phrase uh, in which we will look at the process of the birth and cultivation of the innermost man. Exodus 2, 1 through 10. So someone said to the Lord, Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And the man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. Another place. Now Amram took for himself Jochebed, his father's sister, as wife, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. So there are certain puzzles and parts of scripture that we read. Um, in, it, what's interesting is that Amram and Jochebed also gave birth to Miriam. So why not have included this to see all of them together? And then finally, in the book of Numbers, chapter 26, they are presented together. The name of Amram's wife was Jochebed, the daughter of Levi, who was born to Levi in Egypt. And to Amram, she bore Aaron and Moses and their sister Miriam. So here they are all presented together, all three of them. And pay attention here that Miriam was older and she here is at the end of this list. These three people were called by God to one goal, to carry or lead out the people of Egypt out of Egyptian slavery, the Israelite people out of Egyptian slavery. And they had to fulfill certain functions that belonged to God in the face of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These people, born by Amram and Jochebed, were carriers of the unfading seed in which was place the program of deliverance from Egyptian slavery. We've already paid attention to one unchanging principle that the realization of every promise is impossible without cooperation with God and which we, with which we must cooperate with these three functions. This is the thought of the Father, the Word of the Son, and the fulfiller of the Holy Spirit. And we are called to cooperate with these instances with the Father, who gives the thought, the revelation, with the Word, that the Son speaks in the power of the Holy Spirit, that fulfiller of this Word. And this kind of cooperation with these three functions of the wisdom of God is called to occur through the proclamation of the faith of God, which dwells in our heart and which yields its state. The first function with which we are called to cooperate is comprised of the fact that we are preparing the soil of our heart to hear the Word of God, which refers to immediate readiness to fulfill what we have heard. The second function is the proclamation of the faith of our heart when we receive a revelation about the time of the fulfillment of the promise. First, this Word is accepted by us. It begins to perhaps grow in us, to come to a certain age, and then the Lord tells us to proclaim. So a person hears and pay attention. I think that you have paid attention that that which we read right now, these are the sermons of pastor that were 
uh, spoken some time ago, a few, several years ago, and right now we are hearing them, and all of a sudden it's, it's like as if they are repeated, but in a different angle, in a different format. The thoughts and the ideas are the same, they're repeated, they are uh, revealed more deeper from different angles. This points to the fact that we are all at certain different times, we're coming to perfection, and this word we must enact so that a person, when when everything finally comes to him, he understands this truth. It is a time to proclaim and to confess this word and to speak this word. And a third function is the fulfillment. So a person accepts and then he must proclaim that from his words he will be justified and by his words he'll be condemned. This means that I speak the words of the faith of God. My feelings I remove from the equation. Uh, emotions could be different. Right now I have feelings and emotions of wonderful, calming, I'm, I'm joyful, I am satisfied. In two days, perhaps I have my emotions lead me to think that God has forgotten me. But no, we are already mature, we are already enlightened. This is all temporary. We have a, all. We all have a goal. We have a goal and God has promised us, He has given us the promise that He is going to rapture us from this earth. There might be some kind of circumstances, some kind of slander, gossip, gossip of warfare, uh, rumors. The earth shakes and trembles. Whatever news you may look at, I don't know if someone reads the news. Sometimes I speak with people and they say, oh, you read the news? I said, you know, sometimes I do read them. What is happening? This is this, this, there is that. The earth is shaking and trembling. Well, let it shake and tremble. But the Lord has promised to us a new heaven, a new earth. Let it tremble. What will be, what, how will this affect us? The more it trembles and shakes, the more brighter in us the light will shine. And the brighter this light will be shining because people will come to certain fear. They begin to grow concerned and ask questions for one another. What is happening? Something extraordinary is happening with this earth. And we know what is occurring. We know that the Lord is preparing. He's preparing to take His saints from this earth and He has said to them, so that you may stand before the Son of God we dwell in the words that we can be prepared for this we dwell in that word that God gives us today and we calmly wait for that which God is going to do we hear this word we accept it we proclaim it and we act according to this word and we overcome the number of the beast and we will remember that the words that we proclaim as the faith of our heart are equal to the words of God that come from the mouth of God, from which depends God, and which He is strong to fulfill. A prophet of prophets, it was always said that this was, was these were men that were strong in word and in deed. Take a look at how this power of God is written here, that the prophets of God, they carry the promises of God in their hearts. They proclaim this word. They were strong people in their words, and they proclaimed not slogans, they proclaimed not places of scripture, 
They proclaimed words of faith that they have accepted and that God has helped them to grow and they have come to a certain level and they proclaimed them. When, when they did proclaim them, this word was equal to the words of God. And they were people that were strong indeed. The prophet John, the prophet of David, he was a strong man in word and in action. The prophet Samuel, Abraham. And we, as we have heard, we have accepted in the cave of our spirit this word. We had hid this prophetic spirit. Remember, we had heard these 50 prophets, uh, two, 50 prophets in two caves, and this prophetic spirit of God makes us strong not only in words, but strong in action, strong in power. And when God says, proclaim, he is strong to fulfill this word. Considering that in the burden of Moses, we are studying the cultivation of the life of the innermost person from the seed of the word of truth in which is contained the program of the faith of God, which is our calling, our responsibility, and our burden, we will return to the birth of the seed from which Moses was born and the program of cultivation of life in this seed. So again, we are going back. So when we accept this word and it begins to cultivate in us, the phrase one man out of the tribe of Levi through the seed through which Moses was born. This is not a name, but the image that defines the dignity of this, this man as well as the character of the imperishable seed of this someone from which, or from this man, from which is born the innermost and the unfading man. You know, when the people of angels of the Lord came, they said, what is your name so that they can glorify you when your word is fulfilled? They said, why are you asking me about my name? I am someone. I am a man. I represent man. My name is wonderful. Do not ask me regarding the seed of truth of this man is born the innermost man to better understand what the Holy Spirit meant by when he talked about Amram from the seed of whom Moses was born and Jochebed his wife we will turn to another event Genesis chapter 32 verses 24 through 28 that Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day now when he saw that he did not prevail against him he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was at a joint and he wrestled with him and he said let me go for the day breaks but he said I will not let you go unless you bless me so he said to him what is your name he said Jacob and he said your name shall no longer be called Jacob but Israel for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed the name Israel means warrior of prayer you know the main person whom we are called to overcome is the number of man so ourselves and Jacob had done this because he accepted God's help. He understood that he cannot overcome and he has called God on his side and he fought with God against 
against his human essence and he had overcome the Lord gave him help and he said now you will overcome men you know the main person that we are fighting with is inside ourselves you don't need to overcome any other people they will be overcome when we overcome our old man when he is going to be tied in us we will overcome him in Hebrew in the first and second instance the name man is a definition of a certain name. It means courageous, brave, hero, warrior of prayer. He said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, a warrior of prayer. For you have allowed God to fight with you in prayer so that you can destroy your old nature. People are fearful. They are fearful of this not long ago I had met with a person I saw that he was very terrified he said it's impossible wherever I go it's necessary for the media to be vaccinated I said okay we'll go and do the vaccine he says no no what are you kidding me there's such bad things in there and of course I closed my ears and I don't even know what he was intending to say and I said oh well I've been vaccinated everything's fine I saw uh, he was surprised and he asked me you did it you got one and he lost he forgot how to speak in that moment they are terrified of this a person is not going to fear these things because he has fought with God in prayer so that God can help him in this victory over the old man thus the Holy Spirit tells us that the birth of Moses was not a coincidence but the act of the faith of God in which Amram and Jochebed gave birth to Moses and in this action they, just like Jacob, had allowed God to fight in prayer with them and for them so that they can overcome fear before their old nature in the face of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. These people also went through this instance with faith. With faith they have done this. The most interesting is contained in the meaning of the name Amram and Jochebed. It is these contents of these names that is the image of the seed of truth that contains the program of the burden, which is the calling of all of those who are called to become warriors of prayer and to destroy in their life the citadel of sin and death in the face of their nation, their household, and their will that is independent of God. People try to... So where does this come from? Where does this birth come from? And you know, those people who refuse their children, who leave their children, they then, they think, who was my mom? People ask, where are my genes from? People are so interested and many people seek their DNA. And we are interested in this as well, but pay attention how interesting it is for us. Where is our source? How are we born? Where have we come from? When we hear, we begin to say, oh wait, this is interesting. They are contained in these names, it turns out. The name Amram, the father of Moses. Again, Moses is our innermost man, our new man. We've already mentioned this. Where he has come from. His name means magnified by God, which points to the seed of the word of God, which God has magnified above all his name and from which he has made himself dependent. You know, 
the fact that God gave us this seed and has allowed us to accept this and He has given birth to us by this word, by the power of the Holy Spirit in order for heavenly life, God has magnified man. A person who is born of God, this is a great mercy and glory of God. And of course, it's interesting where we come from. You know, I discovered myself. This is my natural essence. When I look at a child, it's always interesting for me to know or to learn who his parents are. And a child is born, I ask, well, who does he look like? Or, And then young parents, they look at one another and they say, I don't know. I thought, well, how do you not know? You can figure it out right away. Mom, my dad, aunt, uncle. For some reason, this always interested me. But of course, this is uh, something that is fleshly, but in the spiritual sense, this is a call to interest all of us. And the word that God has magnified, He worships this word. Why are we stretch out our hands to the word? And at one point, I was I was speaking with our pastor. I was in a different church, and I ended up in a certain communication with the pastor. I f saw, first of all, how a person knows the word, understands it, operates with this word, loves it, and the strength and the depth of course, this interested me. Where is this coming from? Where is the source? I need to look for it. This source is a God in the Word of God. I will worship toward your holy temple, says David, and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. When we began to be when we begin to share the cassette tapes, always on the pedestal was this person who was strong in the word. And we knew that this man was someone who understood the word. The name Jochebed, this was the mother of Moses that we said symbolizes the Holy Spirit. It means the glory of the Lord which points to the state of the good soil of the heart that is capable of accepting and growing the seed of the word of truth that contains the structure of the kingdom of heaven. So, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. 1 Corinthians 11, 7 here unveils the role of the Holy Spirit. And now we will continue to study our innermost man in the image of the fruit of Amram and Jochebed in the face of Moses, who threatened? Who was threatened by the waters of death for Egypt and the Nile River. So our new man will be threatened by the rivers of Nile. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him 
daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Exodus 2, 2-4 In this image, looking at this event as the image of the cultivation of the innermost man, we should pay attention to two, uh, two figures and the behavior of these. So the Holy Spirit with trembling looks at this infant who is called to reign, that is called to come to the full measure of the stature of Christ. And he with trembling looks at who this infant is, who this infant is going to be. Is he going to be thrown or is he going to sell his birthright? Is he going to be thrown into the waters of the Nile River according to the word of Pharaoh? Or is there going to be some mystery, some revelation? We know that the Holy Spirit cares for this. And as we constantly hear, the Lord has sent the Holy Spirit in order to bring the bride, or rather these people who by faith are going to tremble, to with trembling protect this infant. God will demonstrate how he should be carried out through this difficult time. This act of Jochebed and Miriam, the sister of Moses, Jochebed, uh, when she had him for three months after Moses was born, Amram, uh, perhaps he, it's interesting that the um, his wife had hid him for three months, but this is not so. He was he was very interested in this. This act of Jochebed in which she hid Moses for three months is an image of our role or our function. For the image to keep our new heart in the face of our new innermost man safe is our role and not the role of God. The role of God in relation to our heart is that he establishes the laws and the foundation of which we are called to keep our heart, whereas our role is to keep our heart on the foundation of God's established laws. God has says that if you want, we must want, we must desire. Whoever wants to come after me, let him deny or reject his family. Uh, then he needs to fulfill the commandments of God. If you want to follow after me, do this and this and this. To our desire, and um, in our desire is also our role. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. This concept is illustrated well by God in the obligations of the role which God has laid upon man in the relation of the Garden of Eden, which is the image of the good soil of the human heart. And the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. To tend to the Garden of Eden in the subject of the soil of our heart is to continually prepare ourselves to hearing the Word of God. In practice, to tend to the soil of our heart is continual readiness to accept the revelations of God that are called to cultivate and grow us into the image of God. In keeping the Garden of Eden in the subject of the soil of our heart is sanctification of what is dedicated, which you, which is yielded in vigilance over that so that no evil thought no satanic thought could have any opportunity to penetrate into our hearts. An evil thought is the seed of the snake that contains in itself the program of doubt and rejecting the decrees of God. Wise saints, they are not going to be doubtful to the words of God. And a person who is 
who does doubt the words of God and say that let this person not think to receive something from God. A person must diligently understand that this is the truth of God, that this is God's order, and he must strive towards the promises of God, towards his word. We must know that as the seed of truth, having been found in the good soil of the human heart, it transforms a person into the program that is contained in the seed. So does the seed of devil that finds itself in her heart in the image of an evil thought through doubt. Thanks to the destructive program of sin and death that is contained in it, it transforms a person into his image. Thus, in the hiding of Moses, were in fact present Amram and Jochebed, but each of them had their own role. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents. So again, here it turns out that his parents, Amram, was present too, because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. When scripture tells us that Moses was hid by faith, then this means that Amram and Jochebed had received revelation from God about how to hide the infant and until what time they should hide the infant. Just like we today. So, for example, in the beginning, due to our, uh, when I had heard the light of the morning star and this teaching, I was born a person who who had a desire to read. I wanted to read everything I could. I wanted to read everything I possibly could. And when I, we had a library, and when I rode the bus and passed it, I looked at this library with such desire. There was a lot of garbage there, but for me, this garbage was so interesting. I wanted to, to swallow it and read it all. But when I had heard the teaching of the Light of the Morning Star. This book, Light of the Morning Star, it had replaced everything for me for the last 15, 20 years, perhaps. I know I had tried. Marina says, oh, here's a healthy book. Read it. Some kind of healthy book. It contains or uncovers certain something, I begin to read it, but I get gross so bored, it's not interesting to me. For me, the light of the morning star is on my nightstand, and whenever I want to read it, I take it out and I read it over and over and over again, and I read it and I read it, and again I read it. And you know, I say for 20 years, for the first time, I, real, I thought that pastor had explained to us that usually whatever is written by the anointed man of God, I figured that I need to read it. I was driving someone, and when I drive a client, I place a book in front of me. And by driving, for somehow I found it possible to read thousands of pages, thousands of pages. And I almost got into a car accident, and I, f I realized I do not, I cannot read behind the wheel. I couldn't stop reading. 
But then this had, had passed, and I lost any, any interest to read various kinds of books because God is feeding me. And when I have the thought that I should read this, I might read a few pages. And then this hunger, this hunger for reading is quenched and there is a benefit that grows because because we have, we listen, we have discipline. You know, pastor wrote this 20, 30 years ago. And long ago I had realized that I do not, that this, to study, to read is good, but the most important thing is that which I'm hearing right now. This is the most important. All my concentration, all my love needs to be focused on it. When Scripture says that Moses was hidden by faith, this is referring to the fact that Amram and Jochebed had received a revelation of God about how to hide the child and until what time they should hide him, because faith comes from hearing the Word of God. And therefore, the fact that they hid their infant for three months by faith and then made a basket, uh, they placed the infant there, after which they placed the basket in the river, this was all the revelation of God in which God had revealed to them how they should act with this or how they should behave towards this infant. Three months is an image of redemption that is contained in the death of the Lord Jesus in which was placed our new man so that he can be clothed, he can be clothed in resurrection so he, or he could raise from the dead. This is an image for us. Romans 6, 3-4 Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should all we should walk in newness of life. The action of Miriam, the sister of Moses, in the image of the function of the Holy Spirit, in which she was called to observe the basket, so that not just to see what God is going to do with Moses, but so that she could activate God toward what He wants to do in the plan of His um, Him being taken out of death. The name Miriam means uh, master. The name Maria is from the name Miriam. Then the daughter, Exodus chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And she opened it, and she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. And his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Miriam here, Miriam says to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew woman that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the children's the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. In these words, we see the image of how the Holy Spirit and the function of Miriam cares for our innermost man and saves him from the from the hand of the daughter of Pharaoh and so that the mother, the Hebrew mother, could feed the child or nurse him. In this image, the daughter of Pharaoh is an image of our will that is the function of our saved soul, whereas Jochebed is an image of the church. So this, the, these sources, where we come from, you know, I feel... A satisfaction reading this because we find our innermost man in all of these images we understand that 
this had occurred with us and continues to occur with us. So Jochebed is an image of the church in which our innermost man through instruction and faith feeds from the pure milk of the word of God and could grow in salvation. Exodus chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. So the woman conceived and bore a son and she called his name Moses saying, because I drew him out of the water. When our innermost man grows and comes, it comes time for him to stop nursing nursing so that he can eat solid food, just as Apostle Paul had said. There was a certain time where he needed to nurse from, and nurse and eat milk, um, but now he needs to eat solid food. And this time had to come. This time does come. But if a person does not want to move on to solid food, then this is unfortunate. Jochebed in the face of the church nurses the child for the daughter of Pharaoh. The daughter of Pharaoh is an image of our, our will that is dependent on our intellect representing the image of Pharaoh. And therefore, Pharaoh standing at the head of Egypt is our intellect that takes up a throne in our essence in which we, he through Joseph, represents up till a certain time the image of our new man that rules over Egypt and carries it into slavery of the new man in the face of Joseph and the Israelites. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, and as much as God has shown you all this. There is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. Genesis 41, 39-40. In the image of Moses, who saved us from the Egyptian slavery and carried us out of Egypt, is our new innermost man. Not in the dignity of Joseph, but in the dignity of Moses who was a servant of our intellect and then having come to an age he took authority over his intellect and had replaced the pharaoh the former pharaoh with himself act 7 17 to 21 when the time of the promise drew near which god had sworn to abraham the people grew and multiplied in egypt till another king arose who did not know egypt this man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they may not live. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own. Would we accept the dignity in the name Moses, which has the power of the resurrection of Christ, we receive the authority to put to death the members of our body and to take off our old man in order to be clothed into a new man created by God. It is a certain age that we reach. And therefore, to put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, because these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, but barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Colossians chapter 3 verses 5 through 11. Question number 2. Why did this burden now returning to this to the idea in this question by what reason did this burden transform into something that was that what became unbearable it was bearable at first and then this becomes for us so heavy that without the help of God we cannot endure it 
Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving, Numbers 11, 4 through 15. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? It begins from the foreigners. So the mixed multitude, so our flesh, uh, so our carnal man. We remember the fish we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. The manna was the coriander seed in its color, like the color of delium. The people went about and gathered it, ground it on millstones, or beat it on the mortar, cooked it in pans, and made cakes of it, and its taste was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil. And the dew fell on the camp in the night, the manna fell on it. Then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses also was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have this place of scripture? Why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight, that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them, that you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom, as a guardian carries a nursing child, to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they weep all over me, saying, Give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to bear all these people alone, because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now, if I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my wretchedness. I think this expression is familiar to us when we are so burdened and you might not see the spiritual maturity or this level and you lose everything in the flesh and you think, well Lord this is so troubling, Lord please take me please take me to you perhaps I have not yet grown in fullness but I, I love you please comfort me and let me enter into your rest let me reach the level of your mercy so that you can take me away. But praise God that if we have prayed like maybe like this before, that God closes our ears, closes his ears to not hear these prayers because he has a goal. And we have this goal, but sometimes we forget it. Before us is the land of Canaan, the promise of God, that God wants to fulfill for us. And in this path, he perhaps might cause hunger upon us so that we can learn to live according to the word of God. And so, according to these words, it becomes known that the reason why the burden turned into uh, too heavy were the multitude or the foreigners that we had allowed. So we allowed these lusts to gain power over us. They begin to get life in us and they begin to manifest themselves through us and express themselves in our spirit the Israelites they also begin to moan and groan our new man also began to grow troubled foreigners are thoughts and words that have come from outside or rather not from our heart or not from people whom God has established over us but from our fleshly lusts and from the person whom we have chosen ourselves so that they can flatter our ears third question by what criteria should we define the help of God that is necessary for carrying, carrying the heavy burden? 
in relationship to Moses, whom we view in the image of the innermost man, help for the heavy burden is yielded yielded in the foreigners were the 70 men that were the elders of the people. Numbers 11, 16 through 17 said, The Lord said to Moses, so when he began to... Uh, he didn't feel like he didn't have enough power, and he asked God for help. He said, Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meetings, so that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down to talk with you there, and I will take of the spirit that is upon you, and will put on the same upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear it yourself alone. We know that figuratively the number 70, as well as the number 7, represents the fullness of Christ in our heart. And if for Moses, his help was the 70 elders, then for us, in the face of the 70 elders, this is called to be the fullness of the proclamations of the trust of our hope that is engraved in our hearts by the Spirit of the living God. When we proclaim the faith of our heart in the tabernacle of meeting, our proclamation the subject of the faith of our heart, yielded by the word of God, stand with us. And when the Holy Spirit uh, places, then the Holy Spirit allows us to rely on the proclamations of our faith. That's why when we begin to proclaim in the difficult circumstances, when it seems like everything is not working out, then that God helps through his messenger, words into our lips. We say, for I know that my Redeemer lives, and my flesh is falling apart, and it seems to me like I'm falling apart. But according to the words of God, the day will come where he is going to restore my my breaking flesh, and I'm going to see with my eyes how God renews my body. And the resurrection of Christ comes in the power of the old man begins to seize and I see the promise this was not for me I did not make this up for myself you have said to me and in my heart I have accepted that you have proclaimed through your messenger that this generation is going to be uh, yes we are going to have more sunrises and sunsets God is going to bring us up to heights higher than us to along the valleys feed us with the manna he will bring us to the goal whom he, which he has set before us. In practice, this means that God takes upon himself the heaviness in that level which is found in the powers of the word of faith that we have confessed for which he carries a full responsibility so that it could be fulfilled. In other words, God begins to carry responsibility for his words when it in the soil of our heart is grown out of the seed of the word of truth into the fruit of the proclamation of our lips. Again, we see this process occurring. Sometimes we think, well, why? How does it work? You begin to speak the words of faith. You begin to proclaim before God. And there's some kind of ease. This heaviness departs. Heaven begins to, um, to be opened. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my rock of Israel. The Lord is my righteousness. He has been made for me my sanctification. He is my salvation. And all of a sudden, this comes to fruition. 
This is the anatomy that is re revealed here in this process. Help in the face of the 70 elders in our heart is called to be defined in the components of fullness. And in order to, vine, to define in our essence the component of fullness with which we must stand before God in prayer, we need to look at what properties and signs scripture gives the fullness of christ in the heart of a person seven signs according to which we can define the hell presented the image of the 70 elders the first sign the first sign of the fullness in the image of 70 elders is called to be the ability in our heart to be fertilized by this the seed of truth in the ability to offer fruit Songs of Solomon 8.10 I am a wall, my breast like towers, then I became in his eyes as one who found peace. Practically, these words of the most beautiful of women was an answer to the call of God, which was expressed in these words. We have a little sister and she has no breast. What shall we do for our sister in the day when she is spoken for? She has not grown, but here, help is coming from God when she is capable. And so the ability to grow the seed of truth is the ability to hear the call of God in our heart through instruction and faith and the readiness to immediately answer this call. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. So this, this is the ability when a person comes to service and with a heart saying, I'll maybe listen, maybe I'll be comforted, maybe the Lord will answer me, maybe I have some kind of difficulties, maybe He is going to help me, maybe the darkness will dissipate. No, this kind of state is, it's not bad, but it's it's it can only last up until a certain age. But when a person is capable and he knows, Lord, I am going to go before your countenance. You have prepared for me a certain seed, and I am preparing my heart for when you are going to speak your word to me. I inside, in my heart, am going to say, let it be to me according to your word. I accept it. I know that these are your words, Lord. Lord, help me to understand them. I accept them for... Let this fruit of these words that you are going to speak today, let it be manifested. And here is this sign, the sign of this fullness that is in the heart of a person. The second sign in the face of 70 elders is the dwelling of our heart in Christ. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. Colossians 2, verses 8-10 through 10. To dwell in Christ means to dwell in teaching of Christ who came in the flesh. And this means to hear, to listen, to look, and to proclaim who God is for us in Christ Jesus and what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And to study how, what we must do, in what order, and in what means we must enact to, to fulfill all that He has done for us in Christ Jesus because the revelations of His will that is contained in who God is for us in Christ Jesus and what God has done for us in Christ Jesus belongs to those who are going to be enlightened, or rather, those who are going to allow God to enlighten them through instruction and faith. The third sign of fullness in the image of the 70 elders is our grace toward God, John 1, 16-17. And of His fullness we have all received in grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So this means 
that all of the promises of God, when we are found in the body, when there is a man of God, a messenger of God that stands at the head, all of the promises of God become yes and amen to the glory of God through the messengers of God. And in what level we demonstrate our strive to God will equal to the level at which He will meet us halfway. The next sign in the image of the 70 elders is our partaking to the congregation of the holy people in whose head is Christ. Scripture tells us that watch for the coming day. The meaningness of this commandment is so important today. And I see this. I think all of you see that the day, coming day is, is drawing near and we see the relationship. I see how many of you are today on Tuesdays. There's a lot of people here today. Well, why? Because we value this. We understand that this is very important to be partakers and to not miss services because we, we miss out. The next sign of fullness is partaking to the fullness of Israel. Romans 11, 11 through 12, I say, then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not, but through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now with their fall is riches for the world, and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? Partaking to the fullness of Israel is partaking to the warriors of prayer expressed in dwelling with the trials of Christ. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Our relationship toward the trials that occur in our life So the fullness of the heart of a person, person understands that if this trial has come upon him, he must endure it. We say, Lord, I will endure it and you will help me. This means that it is necessary for me. The next sign of fullness in the image of the 70 elders is the ability to fulfill the justice of God. As for the Almighty, we cannot find Him. He is excellent in power and judgment abundant justice. He does not oppress. According to this definition of the justice of God, which we are called to fulfill, it follows that the justice of God no one diminishes. Because according to the revelations of Scripture, the right to fulfill the justice of God is the right to affirm the law of reaping and harvest so that each person could reap that which he has sown in his body. And when the righteous practice righteousness, then in fact, they are affirming the law of reaping and harvest. Thanks to this, a righteous man receives the ability to bring to fulfillment his word, God's word of retribution, so that he can, um, so that he can gain salvation. And the last sign of fullness, and we will conclude, so the last sign of fullness in the image of the 70 elders is the ability to produce total sanctification in order to keep ourselves in fullness without without blemish for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Timothy chapter 1 
Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And so to summarize, having been, being the mercy of God being over our tent expressed in the 70 elders, when we are going to uh, have this heavy burden by carrying our calling, our calling becomes heavy for us when the foreigners yielded by thoughts and words of what is earthly come upon us. And second, the help of God in carrying this burden is found in the fullness of seven components, although there are many more. And again, let's quickly repeat them. First, it is the ability to be fertilized by the seed of truth and to grow the seed that we have accepted. Second component of fullness in our heart is the ability to dwell, to, for our heart to dwell in Christ. The third component of fullness is our grace toward God. The fourth component of fullness is our partaking to the congregation of the saints of God at the head of Christ. The fifth component of fullness is our partaking to the fullness of Israel. The sixth component of fullness is the ability to fulfill the justice of God. And the seventh component of fullness is the ability to conduct total sanctification for the keeping of ourselves in fullness without blemish for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The kind of prayer that we must magnified to God so that he can send his help for carrying this burden is comprised in a boldness in which we ask God for help to fulfill his perfect will, which we are going to do right now. We are going to call upon God's help in boldness and he will help us. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the boldness that we have before your countenance to call upon your holy name to the place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. You have called us and you have made us capable of carrying in ourselves this seed of the word of truth, growing it, and coming to fullness before your countenance. You have defined us as faithful according to your great mercy. We thank you for this. We thank you for your wonderful order. We thank you for the abundance of your word. We thank you for the abundance of your images through which you reveal our origin. Our origin from your word. You have magnified your word. We have accepted and believed, have accepted in ourselves the teaching of your word. And we continue to accept it. We thank you for that promise that has ignited in our hearts the promise of the morning star, the promise of rapture 
to meet with the Lord in the air. I thank you that you are leading us to this goal. Thank you that you are helping us to build ourselves, accepting your word, so that we can be before your countenance as those who have come to fullness those who have come to the fullness of the measure of the statue of Christ in order to be clothed into your peace and to walk and live in peace with God, having trembled before his word, having been humbled and contrite before the countenance of the Lord so that he he can illuminate the heart of the humble. We thank you for this glorified goal that you have revealed for us. We have accepted from your fullness and allow us to express our thanksgiving for your grace. Thanksgiving. When we are going to, with trembling, act toward your word, when we are going to keep it in our hearts, when we are going to accept this prophetic word and with trembling keep it wherever we may be and whatever difficult circumstances we may be found in and whatever darkness and uh, the death of the Lord Jesus we may be immersed in. Allow us to keep the word of life in the caves of our spirit so that you with this, with this prophetic spirit could bring us to your fullness and demonstrate your glory on the earth. We thank you for this glorified portion that you have defined and outlined for your chosen ones. We ask you to be able to bless and tend to us with your word in our upcoming services. When we are going to walk in order to come, in order to worship you, in order to hear your word, Fill your anointed man, messenger, with the power of your word. And us, as obedient children, are going to accept this word, keep this word, tremble before this word, to carry this word, to keep this word, to protect it, from inner powers, from every darkness, to protect this garden from every evil thought. We thank you. And we dedicate ourselves to this. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the hand of the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And let us conclude with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.